After his brothers had gone to the festival, Jesus also went. However, he did not go openly, but secretly. The Jewish authorities were looking for him at the festival. Where is he? they asked. There was much whispering about him in the crowd. He is a good man, some people said. No, others said. He fools the people. But no one talked about him openly, because they were afraid of the Jewish authorities. The festival was nearly half over when Jesus went to the temple and began teaching. The Jewish authorities were greatly surprised. How does this man know so much when he has never been to school? What I teach is not my own teaching, but it comes from God who sent me. Whoever is willing to do what God wants will know whether what I teach comes from God or whether I speak on my own authority. Those who speak on their own authority are trying to gain glory for themselves. But he who wants glory for the one who sent him is honest, and there is nothing false in him. Moses gave you the law, didn't he? But not one of you obeys the law. Why are you trying to kill me? You have a demon in you. Who is trying to kill you? I performed one miracle, and you were all surprised. Moses ordered you to circumcise your sons, although it was not Moses, but your ancestors who started it. And so you circumcise a boy on the Sabbath. If a boy is circumcised on the Sabbath so that Moses' law is not broken, why are you angry with me? Because I made a man completely well on the Sabbath. Stop judging by external standards and judge by true standards. Some of the people of Jerusalem said, isn't this the man the authorities are trying to kill? Look, he is talking in public and they say nothing against him. Can it be that they really know that he is the Messiah? But when the Messiah comes, no one will know where he is from. And we all know where this man comes from. As Jesus taught in the temple, he said in a loud voice, Do you really know me? And know where I am from? I have not come on my own authority. He who sent me, however, is truthful. You do not know him, but I know him, because I come from him, and he sent me. Then they tried to seize him. because his hour had not yet come. But many in the crowd believed in him. When the Messiah comes, will he perform more miracles than this man has? The Pharisees heard the crowd whispering these things about Jesus. So they and the chief priests sent some guards to arrest him. I shall be with you a little while longer. And then I shall go away to him who sent me. You will look for me, but you will not find me. Because you cannot go where I will be. The Jewish authorities said among themselves, 
Where is he about to go so that we shall not find him? Will he go to the Greek cities where our people live and teach the Greeks? He says that we will look for him, but will not find him. And that we cannot go where he will be. What does he mean? On the last and most important day of the festival, Jesus stood up and said in a loud voice, Whoever is thirsty should come to me, and whoever believes in me should drink. As the scripture says, streams of life-giving water will pour out from his side. Jesus said this about the Spirit, which those who believed in him were going to receive. At that time, the Spirit had not yet been given, because Jesus had not been raised to glory. Some of the people in the crowd heard him say this. This man is really the prophet! The Messiah will not come from Galilee! The Scripture says that the Messiah will be a descendant of King David and will be born in Bethlehem, the town where David lived. So there was a division in the crowd because of Jesus. Some wanted to seize him, but no one laid a hand on him. When the guards went back, the chief priests and Pharisees asked them, Why did you not bring him? Nobody has ever talked the way this man does. Did he fool you too? Have you ever known one of the authorities or one Pharisee to believe in him? This crowd does not know the law of Moses. So they are under God's curse. One of the Pharisees there was Nicodemus, the man who had gone to see Jesus before. According to our law, we cannot condemn people before hearing them and finding out what they have done. Well, are you also from Galilee? <laughs> Study the scriptures, and you will learn that no prophet ever comes from Galilee. Then everyone went home, but Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. I was studying this passage, and I was asking the Lord, what do you want me to teach on this? There's so much stuff. If we went through it, like every single verse, we probably would have to take like an hour and a half to like go through everything as complex as it is. So I was trying to figure out, and I was praying, and um, I really felt like God gave me something really simple and, and basic. And I'm just going to share it with you, and then we'll pray, and we'll do it. We'll go for the small groups, okay? So let me pray. God, we love you so much. We thank you for your word. We thank you, God, that we can learn things from your word, that you can reveal things to our hearts, that you can show us things, God, that matter and that mean something. I just pray in this short time, God, that you would speak to us and make everything clear. In your name, amen. Okay, so I was reading through the story. I watched that video probably about five times. And the character that struck out to me the most, the characters that struck out to me the most in that story are the Jewish leaders, the Pharisees. Um, those are the guys, you know, with the large beards and the long flowing robes, and they come up to Jesus, and they're just against him at every turn. These guys hate Jesus. They're asking him, why are you teaching the things that you're teaching? Under what authority are you teaching these things? Like, how dare you? How could you? They're jealous because Jesus is more popular than them. 
they feel like Jesus is a threat to them, and they don't believe Jesus. Even though Jesus has done miracles, even though Jesus has done so many things, they, they miss it completely. And I think it's easy for us, like in any story, when you read a story, you kind of make yourself the hero of the story. Like you kind of see yourself as one of Jesus' disciples. And those guys, the Pharisees, you kind of see as the villains of the story. But I think one of the biggest mistakes we can make is when we're looking at a villain in a story and we don't see how we ourselves can have some of those things in our heart. And I was convicted just reading through this. So I wanna tell you just a quick story. It's, you know, the, the name of this message is Broken Lights. Here's the reason. Last night, my wife and I had uh, just spent a weekend hanging out in the mountains. It was a long weekend though. You know, we'd been at the Youth Workers Conference, we'd been doing all these things. And my wife is amazing. Like she just, she takes care of me. She looks after me. She makes sure I'm getting food. Like she seriously is like one of the most like loving wives ever. She is, to me, she's the most loving person in the world. And um, she offered to drive up the mountain. She's like, I know you have to steady. Like I know that, you know, you're gonna be busy. Like I'll, I'll drive, you know? And she, she went for it, like she drove up the mountain, she drove back down, like she was on it, like she wanted to do it. Um, but the process of driving up and down the mountain, it kind of it kind of hurt her back a little bit. Uh, she has kind of a sensitive back. And when we got home, um, you know, she asked me like, hey, can you rub my shoulders? And like, I don't know what was going on with me last night, but just honestly, like I was in a bad mood. Like, I don't know if that ever happens to you, but like for me, I was just in a bad mood. Like I was kind of grumpy, I was kind of just like, in the flesh, um, you know, and I think a lot of times that happens when God uses you in a big way, when you have a good time of serving the Lord, you, like after a camp even. I don't know if you've ever had that, but you get home from a camp and you're just like instantly in the flesh. Um, but she asked me, you know, can, can you rub my shoulders, you know? And I was like rubbing her shoulders, but I was kind of like grumpy about it, like oh, I'm really tired, I just wanna go to bed, like whatever, you know? Not really putting any effort into it. And as I was doing that, um, I turned over and um, I knocked over a lamp and it was this really cool Edison bulb. Um, it was one of these guys. Um, see, aren't they beautiful? It was one of these guys. I, I bought it because it looked so cool and I put it by my bed and I was stoked on it, but I totally knocked it over and it, these like bulbs are more sensitive than normal bulbs. They're more fragile. And so it broke into like a bajillion pieces just all over our floor, our room, our bed. Like, Pieces ended up in the kitchen somehow, like, I don't know, they flew that far. It was, it was crazy, I'm, I'm just kidding, I made that part up. Um, and like, the minute that happened, as I was cleaning up the glass, it, it just, some stuff just hit me, because I was reading over all this stuff, and I was like, God, I don't, I have like, I have different ways I could teach this, you know, but God just really clearly spoke to me about this idea of broken lights. So, when I look at the Pharisees in this story, these guys are broken lights. Like, they're people who've specifically been chosen to be the light of the world. Like, they're the people who talk with God and know Him and know His Word, and they're given that responsibility. But just like me, who last night had the responsibility to be a good husband and totally failed and just was grumpy and then broke a lamp, these guys fail again and again. And if we're not careful, we can make the same mistake. I think the biggest failure of these guys, the biggest failure, honestly, is their failure to listen to Jesus. Like if you think about it, these are the guys who literally, the Pharisees, they spend their whole life studying the Bible. They know God's word. How many of you guys feel like you've spent your whole life studying the Bible in different ways? Children's ministry, Bible school, Sunday school, like anybody with me? Yeah, you're a church kid, you've grown up in church. 
Sometimes we can be like that. We've spent our whole life learning a Bible and hearing about it, but are we listening to Jesus? I wanna ask you, like no, not a show of hands, but just ask yourself right now. It's, it's a new year, it's January. We're halfway through the like, first month of the new year. Have you been spending time with Jesus? Have you been talking to him? Have you been listening to him? Because this is where the Pharisees went wrong. They knew, they thought they knew him, they thought they knew the Bible, they thought they knew the scriptures, so they didn't need to listen to Jesus. Jesus gets up in the temple and he's teaching. He says, you think you know me, but do you really? Are you listening? This is just a word that I feel like God has put on my heart for you guys. Are you listening to what he's saying? Not just when I get up here and I tell you what I believe God is saying to me to say to you. What is God saying to you directly? Are you spending time with him? Are you opening up the Bible? Are you gonna let January go by without spending that time with him? And I know the Bible can be hard to read. I know it can be hard to understand, but all Jesus is looking for is listening. I read a story recently in the Bible that blew my mind because I had never seen the parallel of this. Has anyone ever uh, heard the story of the wicked husbandman? <laughs> Anybody? The wicked husbandman? What's the husbandman? Um, this is a husbandman. It's somebody who takes care of like a vineyard. You guys know what a vineyard is? It's like where someone's growing grapes to make wine, right? Okay. So in the Bible, Jesus tells a story. He says there was a man and the man owned a vineyard and he loved his vineyard and it was awesome. He wanted to grow these grapes so he could like make some wine and bless people, you know? Like that's, this is the story Jesus is telling. So the man hires people they're called husbandmen to take care of the vineyard. And he says, listen guys, this is my vineyard. Like, I want you to grow it. I want you to take care of it. And then one day, we're gonna bless people with what comes out of it. And the, the vineyard, or the husbandmen, they go, yeah, sounds great. Like, you can trust us. You can leave it with us. Get out of here, like, come back. It'll all be done. So the man goes and he leaves. This is a parable in the Bible that Jesus tells. Like, I'm not making this up. This is a story from Jesus, just so you know. The, the man leaves, and he leaves the vineyard with the husbandman. Well, what happens is the husbandman, they don't, they don't take care of the vineyard. They take care of it, but only for themselves. What they do is they go, man, that guy, he, he left, and he hasn't come back yet. Like, I don't know if he's ever coming back. You know what? Let's make this ours. So they just go for it. Like they grow the grapes and they just start drinking it themselves. They're not like bottling it up to share with the other people. They're just going for it. Like it's their vineyard now that they've taken claim to it. They don't want to share it with anybody else. So the man hears about this and he starts sending his servants to tell these guys, hey, you're doing it wrong. Like you need to, this is not for you, it's for everybody. Why are you being selfish? Why are you keeping this to yourself? And he sends the messengers, he sends the messengers. What they do is they chase the messengers off. They throw rocks at them, they grab swords, they chase them. So finally the man sends his son. And he sends his son to go to these guys and to have a conversation with them. And he thinks, if I send my son, my son can explain the situation to them. Well, what happens is the son goes and he says, listen, this is my father's vineyard. And I, and I put, the father put you guys in charge of this and you didn't take care of it. And, and like, you need to give it back. You know what they do? They killed the son. That's what Jesus said. Now, does anybody think they know what Jesus is talking about in this story? Because Jesus never just told stories for fun. He told them because they painted a picture. I, I never got this until recently. 
Jesus, when he's talking about this story, here's what he's talking about. This just blows my mind, okay? The vineyard, the vineyard in the story, the, the garden where the grapes grew, that's a picture of God's plan and his kingdom, his plan to save people, his plan to bless people. If we go to the story, where did that plan start? Adam and Eve sin, right? They blow it, okay? Who does God go to? A man named Father Abraham, okay? So he goes to Abraham and he says, Abraham, I will make you a father of many nations and you will bless the whole world. Abraham doesn't know what this means. He just thinks, you know, his, his children will grow up and I guess they'll sell vegetables to people and they'll be blessed or whatever. You know, they'll have lots of cows and everyone will be stoked on his family's cows. Like he doesn't get the whole picture. God knows the point of going to Father Abraham and saying, get on board with this mission. Your family is gonna bless the nations is because Jesus was going to be born out of that vineyard, out of that family. But what happens? Over years and years and years, the Jews, God's chosen people, they're, they're the husbandmen. God put them in charge of the vineyard and says, take care of it. You know what they do? This is, this is crazy, okay? In, in I, I think it's Leviticus or Numbers in one of those early books of the Bible. Um, God says to the children of Israel with Moses, he says, I am going to make you a kingdom of priests. I never got the significance of that when I read it. Do you know what a priest is? Does anyone know what a, what, what a priest does? Like when, I, when I heard a kingdom of priests, when I read that verse uh, earlier in my life, I, I thought of, um, you know, oh yeah, it's gonna be a kingdom of really holy people. They're all gonna be priests and wear priestly robes. Um, a priest is someone who stands in the middle and connects man to God. That's what a priest did, that was their job. God was holy, a priest was the one who invited a normal sinful person to repent from their sin and connect them to God. So, so all of this just, it goes together with the parable Jesus tells. Jesus knows all of this, all the history. Jesus is looking at the vineyard, that's his plan, his kingdom, and he said, Israel, I gave it to you, I gave it to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob, all these guys, and I wanted you to be a kingdom of priests, so not that you could just hoard it all for yourself, but that you could point to the other nations of the world, and you could be priests and hold their hand and bring them to God, but you haven't done it. You focused on yourself back then, the, the Pharisees and the Jews, everybody, they thought if anyone who wasn't a Jew, they were a dog, and the reason they existed was to go to hell. Like, that's, that's what they thought. We're Jews, we go to heaven, everyone else goes to hell. Are you with me? Like, do you get what I'm saying? Like, this is where we're at in the story. And what, is, what happens in the story? They, the, the man, the father, sends his son, and what do they do? They kill him. Jesus knows this is gonna happen. It's just, it's mind-blowing to me. It's mind-blowing. He's talking to these Pharisees and to the religious Jews, and he says, religion is not the answer. Religion is you trying to do works to get to God. It's about relationship. It's about God wanting a relationship and a friendship with you. Guys, we can be just like the Pharisees because you know what we do? Really good. So remember, remember the vineyard, the kingdom, it went to the Jews, right? And they were supposed to take care of it and prepare it so that it could bless other people and so people could get saved. Well, that's over now. Jesus came, he died on the cross. Who did he give the kingdom to? The disciples, who are the disciples? If you didn't know, it's you. <laughs> like you are the next generation of disciples. I never got that when I was your age. I thought, you know, uh, I guess, you know, my pastor, he's a disciple and I guess, you know, that guy's in a discipleship group, so I guess he's a disciple, but like I'm not a disciple yet, I'm just a Christian, I'm saved. No, if, you're, if you call yourself a Christian, if you claim to follow Jesus, you are a disciple and you have been given the keys to the kingdom. 
Like your job, your role in life is not just to get good grades in school. It's awesome to get good grades, but your role is not just to get good grades, to get a good college, to get a good job, to get a good house, to get a good wife, to get good kids, and then get a good boat. Like that's, that's not the goal. That's, that's building a kingdom here on earth. If you end up getting a house and a boat, like you're not in sin. That's not what I'm saying. But if your whole goal, if that's your goal, like life has to be really good, really comfortable. I need to get a lot of money so that one day I can retire and not work anymore and like just hang out on the beach. And like that's like you are, you are having a saved soul, but a wasted life. This is what we do. This is what we do. This is what I do as a Christian. I can be just like the Pharisees. I can be just like the Pharisees because what I'll do a lot of times is I'm concerned about my little kingdom, you know, like, oh, yeah, Calvary Vista youth group. Like, yeah, it's all about that, you know, and it's all about making sure we have fun and we're doing fun events and, like, the lights look cool in here, everything's cool. When there's a world outside that is dying and needs to hear the gospel, if our only, fo just, just for us as a youth group, if our only focus is just this and just hanging out and just, you know, hearing good Bible studies, if that's our only focus, that stuff's not bad, but that's only our focus, we are being like the Pharisees, like Israel. having We have a vineyard. We have something great. We have the gospel. We have the good news. If we don't go out and share it with others, then we're being just as stubborn as them. We're being religious, and we're not concerned about the relationship God wants to have with the lost of the world. And the last thing is the way we can be like the Pharisees, the way I can be like the Pharisees, is pride. And that is the pride of not thinking I need Jesus. The pride of not thinking that I desperately need him. And this happens when you grow up in the church. When you grow up in the church and you are a part of a Christian family, you know what happens? This is what happened to me. It, it wasn't my parents' fault. But I grew up and I knew Christians were the good people, sinners were the bad people. And I knew I was a Christian and I read the Bible and I prayed and I tried to be a good person. And I looked at anybody who wasn't a Christian, you know, that guy smoking a cigarette, he's bad, he's going to hell. That guy drinking, he's bad, he's going to hell. That guy's gay, he's bad, he's going to hell. Like, I, that's, that's what I thought. Like, I, I, I thought I am a good person, they're the bad people. And that's just the way I viewed the world. But you know what I've learned? You know what Jesus has taught me? It's not that I'm the good people, they're the bad people. It's that everybody on the planet is the bad people and Jesus is the good person. And if we... It, whether how good or bad you are, if you realize that you are, there is nothing good in you apart from what God has given you, if you realize that there is nothing good in and of yourself and commit yourself to Jesus, that's what he's looking for. In fact, Jesus tells a story, and I'll end with this, and then we'll have a few minutes with uh, group time. Jesus tells another story. It's a parable, and he says once, it's, it's a very similar story. It's really similar. But there's a part at the end that's really key. He says, there was a king. The king had a son. And the son was going to get married. And it was going to be this big, great marriage. It was going to be awesome and wonderful. Well, the king goes to these other nobles and rich people, the good people, you know. And the king says, listen, come to my son's wedding. It's going to be amazing. It's going to be great. It's gonna, I'm going to give you everything, food and wine and all this stuff, just come to the wedding. It's going to be so great. I just want you to see the wedding between me and my son. Or, wait, no, no, no. Sorry. No. <laughs> the wedding of my son, okay, and his bride. Okay, so <laughs> that almost got weird. Um, well, what happens is the rich people, the nobles, they say, no, nah, we don't want to come to that wedding. And the king's like, why? And the nobles are like, oh, I got my business to run. 
you know, I got my, ki- my little kingdom, you know, like, you're, you're the main king, but I got, I got, I'm like a duke, you know, so I got, like, my little castle in the corner over here, like, I'm just gonna, I, I, I can't leave, you know, I gotta lock this down. Well, the king continues to send his servants, just like the vineyard story. He continues to send his servants. You know what happens? The people kill the servants. They murder the servants of the king, and the king looks at these nobles and says, you wicked nobles. My son is having a wedding. I'm inviting you to an all-expenses-paid free wedding, like, and, and you kill my servants. Like, you watch your back because I am coming for you. So then he, the servants are like, who are we going to invite to the wedding? The king says, I have a brilliant idea. Go out in the streets and invite everybody. And they're like, my lord, even the peasants, yes, even them. Even the criminals, yes, go find them, everyone. In fact, in the Bible story, Jesus says, the king says, go and get them all, good and bad. So they go in the street and they get the, the butcher and the baker and the candlestick maker and the town axe murderer. Like they go and they find everybody and they say, come to the wedding. So what happens is they show up to the wedding and the king says, listen, anyone can come to the wedding. All you need to do is just accept this super sweet robe that I made you. It's this white, clean robe. Like, just think of, you know, you're like, what, a robe? But back then, like, just think of, like, the highest royal, like, kingly fashion. So you're a peasant, you know, and you're walking up, and you're like, yeah, I'll, I'll take a free robe. Awesome. And you put it on. You're like, sweet. And that's the only thing they need to get in is the robe. But what happens in the story is one of the nobles decides to crash the party, the guy who rejected Jesus in the first place. And he shows up, and he's walking up to the door, and the, the guard says, sir, sir, uh, you, you cannot enter without this white robe. And the noble goes, no, I don't need that. Like, look at, look at me. I'm a noble. Like, come on. Like, I don't need that robe. Like, and he comes in, and he sticks out like a sore thumb because everyone, you know, you've, all the good people, all the bad people, they're all dressed in these robes. They all look the same. The nobleman comes in. He's not wearing the robe. And the king says, where's your robe? And the noble's like, I don't need it. The king's like, first you reject my son, then you reject my free gift? Like, get out of here. And he, he throws him out of the castle. And remember in the video when Jesus opens the door, and he's like, you will look for me, but you cannot find me. <laughs> that part was great. I love that he just walked up, and he opened the door. He's like, hello. <laughs> like, it was great. But he comes out, and he's like, you will be looking for me, but you cannot find me because you cannot go where I am going. This story, it's, it's all about the Pharisees. Like, it's, it's all about the religious people. Because the religious people, what what they do is Jesus comes and says, you need me. You need to come to the wedding. You need to come and be with me. And they say, no, I don't have time. I can't do it. And then later on, they want to go. But they don't want to accept the free gift. You know what the robe represents? It's, It's God's gift of salvation, forgiveness for every sin you've ever done. You're a good person, whatever. Like, you still need the robe. You're a really, really bad person. Yeah, you need the robe. Put it on. The Pharisees, they wanted to connect to God without having to go through Jesus. They didn't want forgiveness for their sins because they thought they were good and everyone else was bad. This just, I mean, it's, it's good stuff. It's like, there's a lot to talk about here, so I could talk more, but I'm gonna let the group leaders just chill with you guys and talk about this. But the main question to ask, let's be real, with ourselves as Christians, how can we be less like the Pharisees and more like the disciples? I'll just leave it at that. Let me pray, and I'll split you guys up. Lord, we thank you for your word. It's so good. It's so true. It's so complex and simple at the same time. God, I pray that today you would speak through these uh, volunteer leaders and um, that you would just communicate your truth. 
God, we need to hear from you. We just ask that you bless this time in your name. Amen.